my general pitch about football to people is just like, it's the weirdest sport in the world. Like it's the weirdest, nerdiest sport in the world. The Broadcast, the biggest podcast in Vancouver, pretty much. We participate in light misandry. Get out of here with that. (laughs) Sexism. All of our societal structures are designed in ways to inherently prejudice women. Coach's Corner was kind of like my bathroom break. I don't give a fish's tits. I don't like to be bamboozled. I think it's amazing what you guys are doing. I mean, I'm having a lot of fun. Hi, friends, and welcome to this week's Super Bowl spectacular episode of The Broadcast. So, of course, it's your bitch, Danny, hosting for this week, and I'm joined by two out of the four other broads, Sam and Vanessa. Unfortunately, Georgia is at the dentist, so we miss her and we're sending her love and manifesting no cavities. And Mal isn't feeling well, so we're sending her love and hope she feels well soon. So let's get right into it with the football. We are joined by two very special guests this week. They're two of the most intelligent, creative, hilarious, and hottest women on the planet. We've got Namita Nanda Kumar, and she is the Senior Quantitative Analyst for the Seattle Kraken, and we are now a Kraken podcast as well. She's also formerly, formerly a Quantitative Analyst for the Philadelphia Eagles. Next up, we have Katie Caldwell. She is a host and producer with Puck Talks galvanize and you can hear her on sportsnet 650 educating the masses about football and most importantly she is a dog mom to carl so welcome katie and amita thanks so much for having us katie your your like christmas photos of carl like just made my december you're the best it's too much it's too much i'll send you guys one later or i will post it for the people to see he just got home from the groomers today so it's a really big day for our household God, There's no fly. such thing as too many dog photos. Vanessa, you get it. You get it. <laughs> yeah, I know now. <laughs> so this Sunday is Super Bowl 55, and we will see the best player in the NFL, Patrick Mahomes, and Mal's Kansas City Chiefs headed back to the Super Bowl to take on old-ass Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. <laughs> So this is the first Super Bowl we'll see um, with the two previous Super Bowl winning quarterbacks facing each other. And also, this is the first year where the Super Bowl is in Tampa, the home team. I guess they're not the home team. It's still a neutral playing site, but Tampa will be playing in their home field at the Super Bowl. Because it is a neutral site, they're not allowed to fire off the cannons when they score. So there'll be no cannon celebrations there. For this one, um, we'll all, it'll also feature Sarah Tom. She was the first woman referee in the NFL, and she will be the first woman to officiate in the Super Bowl. She was given the job because of her elite performance and commitment to excellence. So she's amazing and a boss, and we love to see it. This is the first Super Bowl that will not be uh, sold out, but it'll technically be at capacity because they'll have seven hundred or 7,500 vaccinated healthcare workers in attendance. Sorry. I just want to like a okay. disclaimer that obviously like I just feel bad I'm talking Katie, Namita, and Daddy know about football and Vanessa and I are fully just here to like heckle. I don't know. I have nothing. Oh, yeah. I have nothing to contribute. <laughs> it's totally okay. We're in a safe space for that. You can contribute they're still just as welcome your opinions just go off just say them confidently okay, and that's I have all a that question. matters i have a question is tom brady actually still really good 
Yeah, he's super old. <laughs> and Kate, the thing about- Vanessa, like how old were you when people realized he was dating Giselle? Because I remember that being this like massive scandal. I was he... old enough to not even be aware that that was happening. Perfect. <laughs> See, and Sam, I think we're about the same age because I, yeah. I remember it was like scandal level age. <laughs> yeah, because everyone was like, oh my, because he was with Bridget Moynihan. To answer the original was... question- He's really, really brilliant, and I have many problems with him as a human. I'm not going to get into that, but he's he's a brilliant football player, but there are certain situations where he's not the best in the world. Like Patrick Mahomes, and Namita, you will have so much more to know about this than I will, but Patrick Mahomes is basically just like the perfect athlete. He's the perfect quarterback. He doesn't really have any weaknesses, which is kind of insane. Whereas Tom Brady is someone where he can be really good and really smart and totally drive the whole offense. But then when he's under pressure, say by certain defenses, he can kind of fall apart and he can panic. He's amazing and he's elite and he's the greatest of all time. So he's still really good, but then he, yeah, like there are times he's starting to show his age, I guess. I think that, yeah, that's a fair uh, assessment. I would say like, you know, especially with Mahomes, like he's just on another level from everyone. I think even if like, you know, you could credibly say that the MVP this year was like Aaron Rodgers or something, but Mahomes is so good that like every year he plays football, he will be an automatic MVP candidate. And you could say, yeah, he was the best this year because he's just always the best. Um, honestly, like the only weakness is like sometimes he like tries to do too much cool stuff and like a no look pass that like might go slightly over Travis Kelsey's head just because he like tried to be like so cool. Like that's really the only thing I can think of for him. I mean, he's just amazing. Uh, Brady, you know, uh, I mean, deserves a lot of credit for for what he's been able to do with the Bucks this year. Um, but at the same time, I think like it's not really fair to say that they're being carried by him. I think in a lot of ways, you know, first of all, like they have a lot of other really talented players on offense, you know, guys like Mike Evans, who have been really good um, for them. And then on the defensive side of the ball, they've just been outstanding. And to be able to you know, play the way they did against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, um, in spite of the fact that, for example, in the second half of the championship game, you know, there was a stretch where Brady ended three drives in a row with an interception in the championship game that they managed to win. So in some ways, it's like, you know, obviously he's done well to get them this far, but also it's not just him carrying the team, because if it was, then they certainly would have lost by now. Well, and people love the Brady versus Belichick debate so much. And this is the first season that we've been able to have it. I'm using finger quotes at the moment when the Patriots sucked. And then when the Bucks went off, people were, okay, there it is. There's the obvious answer for, oh, he's better. And, and for so much of it, it was the combination of them together. Like Cam Newton obviously had his issues this season. They had no one around him. They had a bunch of opt-outs and then uh, Tom Brady with the Bucks, like their defense is so dope. So there are all these different factors and people love to force that argument so much, but so much, I think of Brady's success was his time with Bill Belichick. They were such a power couple together. Absolutely. And I think like, I mean, it, it, it's a weird question because on the one hand, it's just like, well, of course a quarterback would have more impact on like the game than like a coach, no matter how good of a coach it is, you know, even the Belichick's and like Andy Reid's of the world, like they have a lot of impact, but they're not on the field playing. So like from that perspective, I feel like, I guess you have to hand it to Brady, but I don't know that it's that interesting of a thing to do. And, and maybe, you know, the one thing I would say is like Belichick managed to do very well with like Matt Castle in a season 
season where Brady wasn't playing. This was like many, many years ago, but also I'm like very young and I don't remember that that well. So like, if there was some reason where the, for that to be like, not a great example, then I'm just going to pull the, the youth card and say that I don't remember. And I was a child. So, but that happened. Um, I'm old as hell and that's a legit argument. <laughs> okay, cool. Yeah. But yeah, I think what I what has really stood out to me, I will say, is just like the Bucks, like from top to bottom, are a really talented team. And then Brady has been able to fit in with that well, and then you know help them to where they are right now. Whereas like the Chiefs are the Chiefs are also really talented top to bottom, but I, I don't know that their defense is sort of as striking as the Bucks defense in a lot of ways, but they also just benefit from the fact that like they don't have to do anything right. And then like Patrick Mahomes can just bail them out. So like that is something that can definitely happen like this weekend. Like if you're seeing like the Chiefs being down like two touchdowns or something and like you look around and like no one's reacting, it's just because everyone expects Patrick Mahomes to just like turn the game on its head whenever he feels like it and it's a very likely scenario in the Super Bowl last year he played three of the worst quarters of his entire career for the first three and then he's like lol just kidding got you guys here I am I'm in Disney World the next day I hate it And Tom Brady too one key thing about him like any quarterback is you got to protect him no pressure Tom Brady and just because of his age too he feels it definitely a little bit more but yeah like everywhere Tampa has been good their offensive line has been really good as well he utilizes his slot receiver really well like Scotty Miller he did well with him this year and he loves faster than Tyree kill oh my god right no (laughs) I died oh god he wants to race him he said too to do it at halftime oh, prove it that's okay. the kind of confidence we all need in our lives <laughs> in fact about that I will say just to jump in um you know one of the things that has always been helpful for Brady in terms of dealing with pressure is the fact that and I'm, I'm about to pull out a, a stat here so I'm sorry for the no stats just vibes crew but I won't assign a number to it I'll just say that he always gets the ball out really quickly so quarter back time to throw like from the snap to when they actually release the ball um, is a really interesting stat for a lot of reasons and you'll see you know quarterbacks like I I think Mahomes is kind of always on kind of the one end with closer to like the Deshaun Watsons of the world who love to like scramble extend plays and stuff Uh, but then the risk of that is also that you know you might get sacked right because you're giving the defensive line more time to get to you uh Tom Brady and a lot of older quarterbacks are kind of on the other end of the spectrum where you know they throw the ball at like the two second mark and then it no matter how good of a defensive lineman you are it's just really hard to get to a quarterback that quickly and so like that's one of the ways that he and like the offense is able to kind of protect him even though he's five million years old um is just by getting the ball out really quickly well and speaking of being five million years old Ben Roethlisberger that was a huge change for him this season was how quick he was getting the ball out and you can be 500 but that was a big thing that every single time he would take a snap it was like Ben what you doing baby because it was like he was getting the ball out faster than almost anyone in the league it's an old guy thing definitely an old guy thing and can you blame them I feel like if you're like in your 40s it's fine to be like okay I don't want to be tackled anymore I don't care if like all my passes go for five yards like no one's gonna like hurt me right now like I feel like I guess if you play that long you you've earned that a little bit 
So this is not the first time these teams have met this season. They met back in week 12 when the Chiefs won 27-24. But since then, the Bucks haven't lost a game. So they've been red hot. And in that game, the MVP by far was Tyreek Hill. He was an absolute freak in that game. He is the fastest wide receiver in the NFL. Next-gen stats, sorry for another stat, Blocked him at 21.91 miles per hour in week uh, 14 on a 44-yard touchdown. So the man is a freak. And um, in that game, he had 13 receptions for 269 nice yards and three touchdowns. And all uh, Tyreek Hill's touchdowns actually came on targets of 10-plus air yards. And by doing that, uh, they took advantage of Todd Bowles' cover one defense, and that features a single high safety, and that safety is located in the middle of the field. So where Tyreek plays, he'll play along the numbers. So that makes it really hard for that safety to get along the numbers, especially when Tyreek Hill is so freaking fast. So they expose that. And also, um, one thing the Bucks love to do actually all season long is blitz. They blitzed an average of 39.5% all season long. And in the game uh, week 12, they only blitzed 17.6% and Patrick Mahomes still torched him. And there's one thing about Patrick Mahomes you don't do. You don't blitz the man. So they did it no. and they still got lit up. Oh yeah, and so blitzing too is normally you you send four, but blitzing you send a lot more, and you just send everyone to like cause pressure, try and sack him, and just disrupt him. But yeah, Patrick Mahomes, yeah, he can step out of the pocket, move, and make the freakish throws and make everybody look like a fool. Yeah, I feel like we just have to say like just right off the bat, like we have no insights or recommendations on how to stop Patrick Mahomes. It's just not <laughs> a thing that can happen. Um, I don't know what. The, the right <laughs> defensive strategy is for him at all. Um, yeah, but to your point about Tyreek Hill, it, it is funny to imagine just like if you were a defensive player being told to like play man coverage on Tyreek. So you basically just have to run with him. Like, I think I would just leave. I think I would just walk off the field and be like, this is not worth whatever I'm being paid. The question right now across the entire NFL is how do you possibly try and cover Tyreek Hill? Because we saw what happened. He had like, Sorry, stat time all around, but he had over 200 yards in the first quarter. But then it was really cool kind of seeing Todd Bowles and his defense recognize what was happening. And they did. They made adjustments. But what I'm going to do if I'm uh, the Bucks in the situation, you don't ever leave him alone ever, ever again. So you double him wherever he goes and you just live with those consequences. And before you slink into my DMs, and mansplain to me that Travis Kelsey exists. Trust me, I'm hyper aware that this man is real, but we've seen what Tyree Kill can do. And that pressure cannot fall on Carlton Davis alone. And they know that, everybody knows that. So if I'm the Bucks, I am double covering him everywhere. I'm looking at you, Jamel Dean, and, and then Jordan Whitehead, or Jordan Whitehead. And then with Kelsey, we're leaving that to Levante David. Ladies, we should be coaches. But yeah, my, my whole premise <laughs> is you're absolutely not going man-to-man with him. You are double covering him the entire game. I just learned that I am a mansplainer in your DMs because like my first thought as we were talking was, like, well, what about Travis Kelsey? And then like address that. That's why preemptively I'm like, okay, Levante David will go ahead. He can take care of Kelsey. We know that Kelsey's still going to blow up. And that's the thing is like, we can talk about all these different areas of like, okay, how do you deal with Hill? How do you deal with Kelsey? Like Mahomes is going to go off. All of them are going to go off. 
so much of it is just trying to minimize the amount of points they're going to put up on you because they are, they are, you have to, um, if the ball is fumbled, it has to be a turnover. You have to get points on special teams. Like, cause that's the thing is we can have these conversations, but you can say it and it doesn't make it easy because you're exactly right. Namita. it's Travis Kelsey is the best tight end in the league. No question. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting, I, I, we've said the word stat so many times. I feel like I'm going to get banned from broadcast after this, but like, it's an interesting, maybe philosophical question a little bit, uh, in terms of like, you know, if you know that Mahomes can get like basically a surefire five to 10 yards with Kelsey every time, if you're, you know, double covering Tyreek, putting a lot of resources to prevent the deep pass versus like, maybe you do kind of take your chances and and hope that he can't hit some of those deep balls because, you know, certainly the further down the field you go, the lower the completion percentages for every quarterback, you know, whether it's an average NFL QB or whether it's Patrick Mahomes, they're not going to be able to make those throws at the same rate that they can make, you know, the shorter throws. Um, So maybe you try to roll the dice, but obviously that didn't really work before uh in covering Tyreek Hill so yeah there's just no good answer like I said before and yeah everyone on the Chiefs especially on the offensive side is just like insanely talented I think that the blitzing thing is an interesting I guess topic because you know one of the things that the Bucks had a lot of success with against the Packers a couple weeks ago is was being able to get to Aaron Rodgers um, and you know their offensive line was really depleted and you know they were able to sack Rodgers and put pressure on him pretty regularly um, which I think definitely made a huge difference but I don't know if that's something they can expect to happen with Mahomes you know one of the other things about the Bucks, and this is where I'm just going to plug like the one article I wrote this year I wrote exactly one thing <laughs> for 538 um, where I talked about how one of the things that's interesting about the Bucks is that their run defense is so good that we can see that teams like to love to pass on them and they pass on them all the time. That is a potentially really scary thing for defenses to incentivize because passing is, you know, on average more effective and, and at getting more yards um, than running the football. But the Bucks are, are good enough that they've been able to kind of withstand that so far but in the Super Bowl, they're essentially daring Patrick Mahomes to pass on them rather than having the Chiefs run the football. And I just do not think that will end well. When it does, I'm sure people will be in my DMs about it. But <laughs> it's just, it'll be interesting to see kind of how that works for them. And versus, you know, if you had a, an average or even a bad run defense, then maybe you could take a little solace in the fact that maybe Andy Reid will say, oh, let's run a, a bit more here. Well, that's why I'm so happy that you brought up the Packers because they will, they were able to get pressure on Rogers without blitzing him. And we had the conversation, Danny, you said that you can't blitz Patrick Mahomes. It's just not an option that you want to have in your game plan, but all of their sacks are coming on four man rushes. So when you kind of take what they did against the Packers offensive line and you look at the situation that the chiefs offensive line is in right now, like it is, they're playing a bit of musical chairs. They lost their left tackle, Eric Fisher with his Achilles. Like that's, that is their one weak spot that if you're going to get to them, their offensive line, like I think so much of this game could come down to that. It's true. And I think, you know, just from like a 
an entertainment perspective, I think it would, would be interesting to see what Mahomes would do in kind of that situation where they're getting pressure, but they still have guys down the field. I would mm-hmm. be curious to see, you know, how he's able to react to that. Um, and I'm sure he would continue to find ways to amaze us. But yeah, I, it's just exciting. I think, you know, there's a lot of uh, fun storylines and also like it's a pandemic and there's nothing else happening. So <laughs> like, yay, football, let's see what happens. Also, I this is kind of a tangent, but like my general pitch about football to people is just like, it's the weirdest sport in the world. Like I, so it's weird. the weirdest, nerdiest sport in the world. I feel like <laughs> you might think that it's like this big, like macho guy thing, just because like, you know, the players are really big and they are like, I've stood near a lot of them in my day. And like, they make me just feel like an ant. But like the actual sport itself, like is so weird and convoluted and in- insane. It's just like, it's really fun. It, and it's like, the, the rule book is like a billion pages long just because like there, there's so many arcane tidbits. And I don't know, I just, I think it's just really fun and nerdy at its core. It's really amazing to watch, you know, players like Patrick Mahomes and, and the amazing things that they can do. So, you know, again, it, it's a complicated sport, but I say, give it a chance. There's a lot of fun stuff about it. Um, and yeah, that, that's my pitch for football. Um, if you're on the fence and I guess Hell the yeah. other thing is like, you know, it's the Super Bowl, and like, there's nothing else to do. So just watch it. Oh, and in case you are at a Super Bowl party and you're not actually a football fan, A, the commercial is always awesome, whichever the show, like it is such a big production, but I'll share with you guys one game that we used to play all through sports school. So we had, most of us were sports fans, but then we had friends that would come over whatever pre-pandemic where we could actually be in groups of people. Remember that guys? (laughs) But what we would do, it was, we we would set up these big charts and then we would have a keyword. So we would have um, a keyword of a type of commercial. So whether it was beer or cars or whatever, or or all the male targeted bullshit kind of ads. (laughs) So we would have a category for that. And then as soon as that commercial comes on you take a drink we had another category for a player on each team so say if you're looking to get nice and lit this evening you're gonna say Tom Brady or you can go maybe like a fourth string wide receiver if you're driving (laughs) so we would have all these different categories so there were yeah there were commercials a player from each team and then a football term so whether you want to say tackle or sack or touchdown or the actual word football and then you take drinks so it kind of depends what experience you want to curate for yourself but if you're not a football fan it's a really fun interactive experience 10 out of 10 recommend it this is where I want to do like my type five on commercials. I have so many opinions on commercials, specifically the ones involving like NFL players. I don't know if you guys like get the commercials with like Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers. Yes. And- the okay. State Farm ones. Yes. yes. Yeah. They're not good. Like just the fundamental premise that like Aaron Rodgers and Patrick Mahomes, again, two of the best quarterbacks in the NFL care so much about their car insurance rates. Like, I just don't believe it. I don't believe (laughs) that they really feel (laughs) like it's important to them, their specific rates that they get from like Jake from State Farm. It's just implausible (laughs) to me. And I just want to put that out there. And then on the flip side, you know, you have a quarterback who may not been a serious like Super Bowl contender, but Baker Mayfield is bringing it in every commercial. He is a fantastic actor, you know, for an athlete. 
and I genuinely laugh at them and I like feel like such a mark because like no one should care about commercials but like whenever I see Baker Mayfield in a progressive commercial I feel happier as a human being he's so good at them those are just all of the commercial opinions that I needed to share because I've seen all of them 500 times while watching the NFL this season I'm really happy you brought up Baker Mayfield because I was just about to when you're talking about commercials I was really sad when he got really good throughout the season because it was really it was a really fun short timeline where you're like oh I wish you were as good at football as you were at acting <laughs> and then he's like gosh you guys I'm actually gonna start showing up the Browns are gonna be sick again but it was a re- it was a really funny short window where he was kind of a wild card but then you're like holy shit he's so funny <laughs> I would like to see him do like the SNL thing that Peyton and Eli did <gasps> Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. The United yes. Way commercial is still one of my funny, yes. my favorite SNL skits of all time. Peyton is so funny. Can we drop like a change.org after this? That's like get Baker Mayfield on SNL because yes. I really want to see that. Yes. We'll manifest that into existence. That'll be our next thing. We- I, I believe in the power of this podcast. I think we can do it. <laughs> we'll get Sats help our Vancouver Browns fan. <laughs> oh Yeah. <laughs> It would be amazing if it got any traction and it's just like, why are these women from Vancouver (laughs) the Cleveland quarterback going on SNL? Like, why wouldn't we be? (laughs) I'm still trying to recover from Sat referring to Tyler Toffoli as daddy. That Shaw did that? Yeah. I love that for him. What did he, the way he said it too, the way he worded, I don't want to butcher it. He said, if Chris Tanev is dad, Tyler Toffoli is daddy. (laughs) (laughs) I adore him. (laughs) Still waiting for Michaela Gaudet's husband. Yeah, Sat said he would. (laughs) One player in the Super Bowl um, that stands out to me is JPP. He had a great game in the NFC Championship. Like Namita was mentioning, Um, they got pressure on Aaron Rodgers and JPP uh, had four quarterback pressures and two sacks in that game. So that was a huge game for him. He actually lost his fingers in a fireworks accident a few years ago. Um, When he lost his fingers, Laura Oakman, who is the founder of Galvanize, and she's also an NFL reporter for Fox. You can see her on the TV. She uh, spoke to him in her first interview with him after his accident. And she showed him her finger. And she also is missing uh, part of her middle finger because of an accident when she was a kid and it didn't grow back properly. It's something that she was always kind of like shy about and didn't really want to show. And she would uh, hide the way she'd hold her microphone and things like that. So when she showed JPP, they had a moment. She inspired him and he inspired her. And it kind of changed the way she went about her hand. She shows it off more and to encourage and inspire other people like he did for her. They have a cute little handshake they do now. So every time they see each other, they flip each other off. (laughs) Fingers. Yeah, it's just a really cool story. And Katie is part of the Galvanize family. And could you just let us know a little bit about Laura and Galvanize? Oh my God. I don't have the words to articulate how wonderful of a human she is. Like she's someone that is just so inspiring and it's so genuine. And she genuine, like, I, I can't explain what she's given back to the community of women in sports. The, the, pro, the galvanized program, I'll try and sum it up really quickly. It's really hard to, because I'm really passionate about it, but it basically connects NFL or um, female reporters with NFL rookies who are super new to the media landscape. Like some of them 
went to UCLA, but then some of them went to a smaller college or whichever. And some of them don't have as much media training. So we sit down with them and we do a bunch of research before. And we're kind of the first ones that tell their story. And she just the way that she explains the whole premise to them is so, so wonderful. Because she'll sit there and she's like, hey, because she is a reporter over 40. And that's her big thing is through her entire career, she's been told you have a shelf life as a woman, especially on television. So she asks around the room, like, who are my running backs here? And then they put up their hands and they, and she goes, how many times have you said you're not going to make it past two years in this league? And just the way that she connects with them is so, so wonderful and inspiring. And she sets us up for so much success. Like, I'm the person, like all the good things about me strictly come from her. And those are very limited, but they're all from her. She, so, so yeah, we sit down with them and we have a conversation about like, what are the most meaningful things of how you got here, whichever. And then we sit down and we have an interview with our rookie in front of all of our peers. So we're with the reporters and they're with their rookie class. And it's so dope because there's so many of them that are learning about each other for the first time. And the, and guys end up crying and hugging and, and it, the way it connects the team and the way that it gives us experience and all of it is so much about the who behind what you do like we don't talk about resumes we don't talk about accomplishments we talk about what happened in your life to make you the person that you were where you're in this room today so she's just the most fantastic person ever and she told us that story at the camp about her finger and about JPP and we were all sitting there like no way that's so amazing and um, she told us us this story I think it was from Dan Quinn that gave her that term but she was like yeah we walk into every room and we say we're unfuckwithable so I now anything I do on air that I'm really really scared I write that under my wristwatch so then I can just kind of peek out look and go no one can fuck with you <laughs> and just like so many of these things we've got from her that I expected to come out of my first workshop with them with a cool demo reel and a cool story. Like, yeah, I interviewed this NFL player and this and this and this. And that ends up being such a footnote in the whole experience of it because so much of it is connecting with women and just sharing that experience with each other. Like when you first walk into the room, you have a first full day of kind of classroom work, I guess. And then the second day you're with the team, but you walk into the room and you write your name down on a name tag and you don't write where you're from. You don't write what you do. You write down your world's biggest fear underneath it. So you walk in and there's like 21 gorgeous tens of women. And they're just like, and of course, I'm looking at them like, oh, they work for ESPN and this and this and this. And who am I? And the, the inner saboteur creeps in of I don't deserve to be here and all the bullshit that we allow ourselves to say to ourselves. And what she does is she doesn't allow for one second of that in the whole experience. So my name is Katie and my biggest fear is letting people down, whether it's my friends, my family, in this case, my rookie and myself. She goes, okay, two minutes, go introduce yourself to someone. So we walk over to a woman and you say, hi, my name's Katie. This is my biggest fear. And you literally lead off the conversation with vulnerability. And what that leads to is just this level of comfort and if they, they use the word sisterhood and it genuinely feels that way of just like I can do whatever I want whatever is scary to me in this moment because I have such a cool support system and all of a sudden instead of sizing yourself up to these other women 
they introduce themselves to you with their biggest fears. So you're looking at this wonderful, gorgeous, successful woman going, okay, you also have insecurities like all of us do. And the space that she creates is so, it lasts so much longer than just the two days that you're in the city with the team. So for any women that are interested in checking it out, like send her a message, send me a message. I'd be happy to chat with you about it. But it's just like the coolest program ever. And she is genuinely the coolest person I've ever met. And like, luckily she's turned into a mentor and almost like family to me. I just don't have enough good things to say about her. I love that so much. That's such an amazing thing for women, women in sports. And I hope that a lot of our listeners go check it out. And yeah, they have a Twitter page too, which is awesome. And it's a really fun follow. They're always retweeting and tweeting about women in sports. So go check that out. I guess we should get down to it. Who do you think will win the Super Bowl? And who do you think will be Super Bowl MVP? We might have the same answer. I think we do. You go first. (laughs) Uh, I think the Kansas City Chiefs will win. And I think Patrick Mahomes will be the MVP. Yeah. So I want to say also, while we're talking about women in sport, I do want to add, um, I'm technically cheering for um, the Bucks because of their assistant defensive line coach, coach Lori Locust. She's someone we met through the galvanized program, amazing mentor, totally badass woman. I think she was the first female coach in the NFL, but just their organization, Antonio Brown stuff aside, I do not want to mentally or emotionally get into that. They have been so inclusive, especially with women. And so I'm cheering for them because of coach, but I, oh, I just, I love Patrick Mahomes. I do like the chiefs. I'm going to go with the chiefs. I feel like we are a society that doesn't like the narrative of like, oh, Patty's the MVP and like Aaron Donald isn't the defensive player of the year, but it's like, we need to be realistic. We want the narrative to change, but I genuinely don't think it's going to. It's just Patrick Mahomes, like we've all talked about earlier, he's a super freak. He has almost no weakness. So I just think even if they're down, like they were in the last Super Bowl at the end of the third quarter and he's not playing very well, it's Patrick Mahomes. (laughs) It's so incredible to just even like invoke that idea of like, are we getting tired of of always just saying that he's the best? Because he was literally Mm -hmm. drafted in 2017. Like we haven't even had so much time with him, but, and he didn't even play the first season. You know, Alex Smith was quarterbacking the Chiefs, you know, when he entered the league and he played one game that season I believe but then it's just from you know 2018 onward he has just been such an instant force that all of a sudden it just feels completely commonplace that he's just the best but I think you know it's worth looking at how young he is how amazing he is at this age you know I think if you look at like what Tom Brady Tom Brady obviously the goat whatever like uh, as much as you know I like to mention that like my biggest memory of Tom Brady is Brandon Graham strip sacking him in the Super Bowl that the Philadelphia Eagles one yeah um <laughs> go birds uh, you know I think it's pretty indisputable that you know he's the best ever at the age that Patrick Mahomes is now you know Tom Brady was not undisputedly the best player and, and he took a, a few years to get to be the player that he ended up being but Mahomes just right out of the gate is just so transformative I think it's just worth kind of highlighting that because I think we've already kind of gotten mm-hmm. used to it but it's just so amazing and unprecedented and and really cool for the league well and it's almost worth a deeper conversation a different day when you look at quarterback expectations like that like you have someone that comes in like a Justin Herbert who is elite right off the bat and it's so incredible to see and then you see a player like Sam Darnold 
who went to an organization that didn't take very good care of him and this and that. And it's almost like there's this expectation that as soon as you get there, you have to be that good because there are players that are that good right away. And Patrick is the best example of that. Yeah, it's a, it's a really interesting conversation because it, what it ends up asking is really like, what does the growth curve of a quarterback look like? And there's just so few starting quarterbacks and mm-hmm. every path looks different. And it's hard to say like from an analytical perspective, like, oh, they're going to improve X percent from one year the, to the next because it's really, you know, so different. Like the Chargers, for example, like they could look completely different next year and, and that could provide Herbert more of a chance to succeed. I, I feel like... <laughs> So I watched a lot of the Chargers because like I had Justin Herbert as my fantasy football quarterback. Yes. <laughs> um, and like there was a lot of just like at the end of the game, like me needing like three points to win the game and they were at the two yard line and then they just forced Justin Herbert to throw goal line fades which is like the hardest play to get into the end zone and me just like crying on my couch so like that's my experience of (laughs) rookie Justin Herbert and the Chargers I I don't know how relevant that is to anything but I just needed to just mention that because there's a lot of pain behind that for me (laughs) I was living for your because I follow you on Twitter like all of us do because you're a legend in the community I was living for your fantasy football story throughout the season because like I'm total sociopath with fantasy football I'm in three leagues I won two of them like I I go so into it because I'm like oh it's for my career once again using finger quotes it's because I just love it so I see people that are starting to get into it and just watching your journey through the season was an absolute delight oh and I I also have a weird Justin Herbert story We did a galvanized virtual camp in the off season. And one of my favorite moments of the entire off season, because it was with the rookie class. So Justin Herbert was there and we didn't know, like, of course we knew he was going to be drafted or that he was going to be good and this and that, but we didn't know he was going to be that electric. We didn't anticipate Dr. Nick coming in and taking out Tyrod Taylor's lung with his needle. Like there was just so many different weird things with that, but we did the zoom call with Justin Herbert and he didn't mute his mic in the zoom call. So we would all be sitting there and we're telling, these heartfelt stories and all of these things are happening and it's getting really emotional and there's construction happening outside of his window so it just keeps going to him and the camera's just sitting on him and remember that headband he would always wear before he cut his hair off yeah he's sitting there in his stupid headband and he's just like shifty eyes for the entire zoom call and 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 we i wanted to message him and be like justin sweetie honey to hit mute because this will stop happening to you and the camera kept going to him and us girls are kind of starting to mess you other like this is fucking hilarious right now because he was so wildly uncomfortable but he I don't know if he didn't know what to do or like didn't understand that the sound was being picked up but it was one of my favorite moments of all time because I was able to screen grab it and it's just a meme of Justin Herbert sitting there with his headband being like I want to be out of here right now (laughs) <laughs> well, that's a metaphor. The, right? <laughs> that's a metaphor for his entire Chargers experience. Oh, I just love the kids so much. He was so awkward and so uncomfortable. He hated every second of it. Yeah, no, my my fantasy experience. And by the way, feel free to cut all of this because, like, one of the <laughs> things that I believe most strongly is just that people talking about fantasy football is the most boring thing on the planet. But um, I I do it now. I'm part of the problem. And so basically, what happened is like I never played when I was younger. I you know I grew up like an Eagles fan, and I would just watch the Eagles, and that was kind of my the end of sort of my interaction with football. 
And then um, I worked for the Eagles for a couple of years, which was amazing. It was super great. Um, and then during that time, you know, whenever I would just talk to people who like learned of my job, you know, working in football ops for the Eagles, like all of their questions would just be stuff like, you know, so which running back is going to get the most carries because like the Eagles love running back by committee. And I would just be like, I don't care enough to answer this question for you. This is annoying. And fantasy football is dumb. And then I left the Eagles and I joined the Kraken, uh, whom I love very much. And I think it's very funny that like probably a lot of Vancouver sports fans would have a ton of questions about what we're going to do this summer. And I'm just fully not engaging with any of that. So <laughs> sorry, whoever's listening and, and would really like to know anything relevant uh, from my perspective to the Canucks. That's just not happening right now. Um, but, you know, when I joined the Kraken, there was a, a work fantasy football league and there ended up being three leagues because there was so much interest. And, you know, one of my coworkers, Becca was like, oh, like, you know, you should join because you like worked in the NFL and it would be fun. And I was just kind of like, okay, I guess I got nothing else going on. Um, and like, there were like, there's like a three tier system. It was like varsity, uh, JV and club. So like the really serious players would be in varsity. And, and when I signed up, I, I automatically got put in varsity because I worked in the NFL, fair reasoning. But then I was like, wait, like I can't embarrass myself right now. Like all of these, <laughs> all of my new coworkers are going to expect me to be great at fantasy football because of my past work experience. So I just have to devote my life to this and also to my super cool new job. But it was like, you know, it was both the two things I cared about most in this world were at that time were just like, you know, doing cool stuff at my cool new job for an expansion team. And then also being really good at fantasy football so that my coworkers would maybe respect me more, even though I don't know if that, that happened or not. But I did like score the most points, um, which I was very proud of. But I, I sank so much time into it. And it's just like, I could, like I said, I could feel myself becoming a more boring person because I just wanted to talk to everyone about Jamison Crowder and just Thank you. not a name that you guys should know. <laughs> like he is the best receiver on the Jets, which is sort of like damning with faint praise. Like, it's like, I don't know. I think I could be the best receiver on the Jets if I like really, <laughs> but like I, he was getting so many like five yard targets or whatever. And I was just like obsessed with his like steady production for my fantasy team. And I would just like tell my dad about it and tell anyone who would listen. And it, it was, yeah, I, I became a person that I did not even ever expect to become. And I, I became the person essentially that used to annoy my past self about fantasy football, because I know I, I was so tempted to like text my former coworkers and be like, so is Miles Sanders going to get a lot of carries this weekend? And it was just like, <laughs> I was like, what have I become? I love that so much because I had a similar moment where I was like, oh, what the hell are you doing? Where in school, they embedded it into our brains in radio class. And they're like none of you are going to be radio hosts ever those jobs are impossible to get but this is a class so we have to teach you how to do it and the teacher would continuously say he's like as a sports radio listener nobody gives a shit about your fantasy team they care about theirs so talk about the things that can help their fantasy team and he kept saying it kept saying it and then fast forward I'm on Sportsnet I think it was week eight or nine and we're having a conversation and then I accidentally went off for like six minutes because I drafted Devontae Adams in all three of my fantasy leagues so of course I want to talk about it because I was so excited about it and there were days that I would be really really hurt and upset because I'm like oh the one week Devante has a bad week I can't professionally not talk 
talk about it. So I remember walking away from the broadcast that day being like, oh my God, you literally just violated the only rule that I remembered from radio school because I was like, I'll never be on the fucking radio. <laughs> like, I don't want to go to radio. <laughs> And I walked away being like, cool, man. You just told people for six minutes about how you drafted Devontae Adams in all three leagues. Like, humble brag, bro. (laughs) I mean, that's so relatable just because, like, one thing I wasn't prepared for is, like, so when I went into my fantasy draft, I was like, all right, like, I have strategies. This player is good in this round, whatever. Um, And then, like, throughout the whole season, I just grew so attached to them. I was like, you do is like a family member to me now because he was my first round pick. I just wanted him (laughs) to succeed more than anything. And I would like watch Red Zone and like whenever he would run in a two yard touchdown, which is like his signature, I would just be like, that's my guy. And like, as if I like know him personally. And in some ways, in many ways, I feel like I do. And so I guess, yeah, the point of this is that Dalvin Cook and I are best friends because he was good for my fantasy team this year. I'm not going to sit here and say that Javante Adams isn't my direct family. I can't say that to you. I'm heartbroken this year because I was in a uh, 20 team, all girls. Uh, what? I was in three leagues. But my 20? 20 teams. The draft was insane. I got Christian McCaffrey. Oh, that- no. Oh, my God. And in Our that league, like, is. that was my first round, so I was just fucked. But somehow, I finished with the first round by into the playoffs. Like, I finished, like, the third seed. I was like, okay, cool. Yes, queen. This is shaping up well. However, in the game to go to the championship, it's the game where Juju danced on the logo. I oh, no. Point five points. And you got like 3.2 or something. And I lost by 0.3. And then the next week in the third place game, I went up against Alvin Kamara when he had like the five touchdowns. And I was like, I'm not even looking at my score for the rest of the week. Like, I hate life. And I think like, everything was going so well. Like, I had so much adversity. I'm like, yes, I'm such a bad bitch. Look at me go. I'm like being so cocky. And then it just like, fell apart at the end and I was like not the 20 team league like of all the leagues like holy shit what did the waiver wire look like in a 20 team yeah league? I'm so it's curious so about this so you're like are there oh. is it like college players that you hope could like somehow <laughs> magically be arrived like pretty much and then like when one week because everyone had like like when I had my defense was on a bye I looked like who was left and it was like the Jets with like a shit matchup <laughs> gonna stick with zero points on my defense for that week and it was that's when you don't start the jets you just don't start a defense because you're like the jets are gonna cost me three points yeah exactly (laughs) i was like i'm just gonna leave my uh my defense empty this week (laughs) they're gonna take away points for my receivers The way the way that I crashed out um, in the playoffs after scoring the most points in the regular season, but I had like bad matchup luck and stuff. But the way I crashed out in the playoffs was I benched Miles Sanders because he like wasn't doing that well. And then he like randomly had like an 80 yard touchdown. And I was just sitting there like in my Eagle shirt, just like fuming. I was so like, it was so cool to see like Jalen Hurts and Miles Sanders go off. I was so excited for them. I really love them as players, but because I had benched Miles, I was just so upset. <laughs> like it, it, fantasy football is a great way to like ruin things you would otherwise enjoy. Yep. 100%. <laughs> when you're starting a defense or like players that are playing against your favorite team that you care about, there are so many conflicting moments where I'm like looking in the mirror, like who have you become? Like you should never be okay with someone scoring against your team, but then I'm like, yeah, Kittle, let's go. Like <laughs> this was me thinking about like drafting cowboys 
because like I, I had mm. to have like a real heart to heart with myself. I was like, man, like I've never liked the Cowboys. I've like actively worked to make them their lives worse. And and now I'm just like, <laughs> well, um, I, I think I just ended up drafting like their kicker, but it, like didn't end up really mattering. And 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 I went pretty homer too, because I, I picked Miles after like working for the Eagles when we like actually drafted Miles Sanders, which was kind of interesting. I was like, oh, I've drafted him twice. Although please don't come away with this with the notion that I was like personally in charge of every single traffic at my first job that is not the case I I don't know that I have to put in that disclaimer but just in case um I I, sometimes I feel like all of us like as women in sports with like relatively high profiles like half the time we're just like caveating stuff that we say because we can already imagine the angry dms that we're gonna get afterwards there's a disclaimer that we just have to add yeah right (laughs) Well, and speaking of the Cowboys, because I've always been pretty anti-Cowboys as well. So we did a galvanized virtual camp with them. And do you guys remember when, so Dak goes down, which is horrific. I've always been a big Dak Prescott guy. So Dak goes down and then Andy Dalton goes down and everybody's like, who the fuck is their third string quarterback? And I'm sitting there like, it's Ben DiNucci, baby. (laughs) So Ben DiNucci was my galvanized rookie this off season. So we're pals and we're chatting and we're, we're doing the virtual meeting and I'm kind of sitting there being like okay honey you're behind a Dak Prescott and be Andy Dalton so like sure well I'm sure we'll see you this season all of a sudden everybody's like Ben DiNucci is coming in and there was this big collective who the hell is Ben DiNucci and I'm like hi let me tell you everything about Ben DiNucci and then he goes out and he casually has the worst showing of all time Ben I know you're not listening to this so it's fine that I talk about it but yeah it was pretty funny because everybody's just collectively roasting this person then I'm like okay now my proud mom's stepping in don't talk about Benjamin that way (laughs) but he was shit I mean he'll get better that's obviously a crazy situation to go into I think I was maybe one of a handful of people that were like we know who this is That's amazing because I remember, yeah, like he played against the Eagles. So that was right. how I like remember that. And it was funny because like, you know, I think in sports, like a big part of it is like every week you have to go and do your press conference. That's like 90% the same every single week. And you have to say like, oh, you know, it's a tough opponent. We're looking forward to it. It, You know, every yard matters, whatever. And like, you know, the Eagles had to do that for Danucci as well. They had to be like, oh yeah, well, you know, we've been taking it very seriously and we've been watching his college tape and like the vibe at- <laughs> people everyone reading the comments was just like well did you have to like did you really feel like that was going to be super important for Ben DiNucci I'm reading it like thank you for doing that (laughs) you're like thank you for treating my son Benjamin like an adult (laughs) thank you (laughs) the five homies that treated him like an adult out of the millions It is funny. I, I did get like mildly roasted uh, from some of my former coworkers by them being like, we think you watched more football this year than when you were working for a football team because like we can't go outside anymore. So I was just like, all right, I'm just going to watch every single game. And like, this is going to be my personality now. Um, whereas like before when I was like actively working for an NFL team, I would like watch a lot of games, but I'd also be like, all right, I'm going to go like see my friends this weekend or something like that. So this is uh, fun times. I'll probably go into hibernation after Sunday because like, I mean, I can't tweet about hockey for obvious reasons, just hibernate. It's not always a safe plan. Nothing can, nothing bad can happen in hibernation. <laughs> <laughs> uh, thank you both so much for joining us today on our Super Bowl spectacular episode. 
we learned a lot and I'm sure our listeners did too. And we'll have to have you both back on again for like a preview episode for the upcoming season or something like that. Cause this was awesome. Thanks for having us. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Plug your stuff. If you have anything you want to promote. Uh, please become a fan of the Seattle Kraken. <laughs> this, this is a Seattle Kraken podcast. Yes. <laughs> Geographically, you guys are close enough. We welcome you with open arms. Um, I, and, you know, again, I, it, it's funny that we didn't talk about it at all because I'm sure you guys have a bunch of burning questions of what we're going to do. But just in a broad sense, like I can say that like the Kraken have been an amazing team and amazing organization. I think, you know, I'm so excited for what we're going to do on and off the ice, like genuinely, just like if you're considering a new fandom, uh, I think we would be a great bet. And I'm just personally really happy to be part of the team. I, that's what I would plug is just the idea of the Seattle Kraken. And then also, I guess, if you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow at NN stats. Uh, and it, like I said, it will be like largely football and then like, like, yeah, I, I've tweeted multiple times about like the Baker Mayfield commercials. So like that should give you an example of like the type of content that you will receive there. I don't have anything to plug. I mean, <laughs> I tweet photos of my dog. He's right, he's on the couch right there. If you guys want to look. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I have, so, I have something in the works, but I can't talk about it yet. So <laughs> stay tuned, I guess one day until then enjoy photos of my dog and <laughs> sassy Canucks opinions sometimes. I don't know. I'm excited. I need, I need more. I need more Katie. Sometimes I try and take active breaks from Twitter because it makes me really sad. But then I come back and I'm like, fuck, I missed you guys. <laughs> I can't stay away. <laughs> There's like this cool subculture of women on Twitter that just yeah. like have never, like I haven't met any of you in person. And I take a bullet for every single one of you. Yeah. Like it's pretty cool because it's like, unless you've been in that position, you don't necessarily get it. And it goes, it's with any male prevalent industry. Also, speaking of which, that term is from coach Lori Locust on the Bucks to take male dominated out of your vocabulary and say male prevalent because we will not be dominated. Anyways, male dominated or male prevalent industries. I like that. I'll yeah, just keep great. posting dog pics. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a great note to end on. We will not be dominated. And we love all of the listeners who are kind of in the same boat as us, loving sports as women uh, and even not as women. Male allies matter. We, we see and hear you. <laughs> Only if that's you buy it. merch. That'll I'm be dead. Saying, but also maybe yeah. not. <laughs> Shout out to this week's 31 Thought. Future Super Bowl MVP, Patrick Mahomes. He and his fiance, as we mentioned previously, um, are part uh, owners of the NWSL expansion team in Kansas City. And he is just hot and amazing at football. So shout out to him. You can find us on Twitter at BroadcastPod. We're also all on there, minus Georgia. You already know that. You guys suck. That's where she left. And um, we're also on Instagram. You can email us at broadscastpod at gmail.com. And we will talk to you next week. Thanks. Love you. Bye.